Welcome to the Young Adult Podcast, where we will be engaging in weekly conversations around the amazing, tough, fun, weird, but extremely important and defining season of your 20s, all while bringing you more of a biblical perspective. Our goal is to dive deeper into conversations that push you, challenge you, and hopefully inspire you to begin to walk in the fullness of who God created you to be, which we believe will make you the most effective for the kingdom of God. Let's jump into this week's episode. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Young Adult Podcast. My name is Connor Grimm, and I will be your host. Joining me today, I would call him a guest, but he's on a streak. He's two for two. Amen. He's been on last week and now this week. Would we lose our minds for everybody's favorite (laughs) podcast guest kind of host? Zach Atwood! At first, I thought you were going to say our favorite podcast streaker. (laughs) (laughs) Streaker. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my I just started. Oh gosh, that get it together, guys. We are back with the podcast. Uh, I apologize for the inconsistency in posting. Uh, we have had some technical difficulties in our studio, and by studio I mean closet. And te- technical <laughs> difficulties. Um, our SD card that we record everything on just wasn't recording anymore, and so we weren't able to record a podcast on schedule for the past week. And so we are doing it right now. But we are back and we are in action. (laughs) And hey, we we are stoked about this podcast. We're going to share some more in our year-end holiday wrap-up that we'll do, which will be the next podcast that we release, kind of our last one for 2021. But we have got some really cool information and feedback. I know right now Spotify is like sending out all the like year in wrap ups. Um, so all the girls named Brittany are are being affirmed that they are in fact Taylor Swift's biggest fans. Yes. Top five percent of listeners. Well, probably with Taylor Swift fans, it's like I'm top like fifty percent. Yay, Brittany! I wonder who genuinely is the number one listener to Taylor Swift on Spotify. Probably Taylor Swift. We should have them in the studio. <laughs> Let's find them. Just if you are them. if you are Taylor Swift's number one fan, if you are the the person who listened to the most Taylor Swift this year, YA at RedRockChurch.com, we'd love to interview you, learn who you are. And just see how you can waste so many hours. <laughs> just figure out like what is what is your life and yeah. <laughs> what's missing from it, really. <laughs> no, but we we've gotten some wrap-up information on our podcast actually from Spotify, yeah. from from iTunes. And some really, really cool information is coming out that has just stoked the fire of our love and drive to continue to put out this podcast. We yeah. we thought that there was like a handful of people in Denver that listened to the podcast, but and we'll go into more detail about this next week. Our our community of the Y podcast is growing, not just throughout our country, but internationally in some really cool locations. And beyond international. Yes, there's <laughs> That's just a teaser. We got to just leave it at that and That's let them true. be like, ooh, what is Beyond International? Does Maybe Elon actually- Musk listen to us <laughs> in outer space? We don't know. Who knows? Um, but no. So join us uh, on our next podcast drop. It'll be our Christmas slash year in recap um, podcast. But for today, we are going to talk about the holidays and more importantly, the family dynamics of Yay. the holidays. We are just coming off of Thanksgiving, which personally is one of my favorite holidays. I feel like oh, it yeah. has to be second second to Christmas, but I feel like I, if I could, I would just tied. lump them. I would lump them all together. Yeah, it's just like because it's like the end of November. It's like the full month of December, and just this like yeah, this starts it all off. You eat casseroles. Yeah. Oh, from <sighs> from Thanksgiving to Christmas. 
It's just what happens. It's casserole season. Yeah, it's stretchy pants. Yes. <laughs> casserole season, and it's yes. just one gigantic holiday essentially. What's your What is like your favorite side dish at Thanksgiving? Oh, side dish. I know. I know. We've already had it. We're coming off. Of no, no, no. Yeah, but no. I can still ponder and dream about the food. Dude, um, green bean casserole. No, and I'm me, sorry. No, let me tell you this. No, I don't want your freaking highfalutin. Like hand-picked organic green beans. If you're going to do a real green bean casserole, let me help some of y'all, okay? Mm -mm. Some of y'all are trying to get too fancy. And listen, I consider myself a chef. I'm... You can consider yourself whatever you want. I'm epicurious. I'll say that. (laughs) I I love to cook. Um, And you can find some people that dive real deep into a green bean casserole. Let, Let me tell you what you need. You need canned green beans. You need canned cream of mushroom soup. And you need as many fried onions as you can pack on that bad boy. And you got yourself a winner. See, the last part is what I agree with, the onion part. But the rest, oh. No, dude, because I I have this aunt. I'm not going to say her name. But she's like trying to get like not even healthy but fancy. And I'm like, what is this slightly undercooked green bean doing in my mouth? (laughs) I want something that's been sitting in water. And salt. So you essentially want a food that is literally just the same texture throughout. Yes. Just a mush with a with splash a of crunchy, a crunchy onion. onion on top. Yes. That okay. is what you need. See, yeah. No, I do not enjoy being a green. Honestly, growing up, I never had green bean casserole. That explains so much about you. <laughs> yeah, I am fancy. Uh, <laughs> Karen was a bougie lady. She, you know, she never wanted that green bean casserole. She's missing out, man. No, we okay. Favorite side is the stuffing, and I know it sounds weird, but we do oh. stuffing inside the bird, stuffing outside the bird. And my mom got a recipe from her grandmother, and it is a classic French stuffing. Mmm, mmm, heavens, Betsy, it is divine, and that is, I could eat that with. I, I actually have eaten that with gravy in bowls like for weeks after (laughs) just that that'll be my entire meal and that's it it's a really unhealthy obsession but you know what it's way better than that mushy green casserole so here's a question and as we continue to as we always do waste time on our Mm -hmm. intro yep (laughs) is is christmas dinner a letdown after thanksgiving like Hmm. to me christmas dinner tries to like match the same hype yeah. But I feel like you just can't because Thanksgiving is about the dinner. Yeah. 100%. Christmas is about so much more. Parties, family, holidays. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a week long. Yeah, like uh, showing affair. Yeah, expressing like love to loved ones. Yeah. Like and then uh, it's also like there's dinner. <laughs> or gifts. <laughs> loved ones, whatever. Gifts, yes. Yeah. But so, like, yeah, I, I okay, yes. I would say it's definitely more of a letdown because I feel like the Christmas time is more of the marathon. Vibes, so it's like you gotta have good food for like the week of. Okay, but then Thanksgiving is a sprint, and you gotta just, it's just good food one day, eat it all you can, feel stuffed, cry later, make more room, <laughs> eat the pie. So like, it is definitely a letdown, but yeah, it's just not as good. It'll never be as good. Like you don't prepare for it year long because it's not the goal. No, I prepare year long for a pumpkin pie at the end of every <laughs> Thanksgiving, and I will eat it until I throw up. But it is worth it through and through. Oh, my gosh. Christmas, I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, here and there. Dude, I didn't do any pumpkin pie this year. You're a monster. I did sweet potato and pecan. I've never had sweet potato. You're missing Not going to lie. It's a good thing. I feel like it's it's like a cousin to the pumpkin. Yeah, but it like it's like it's like the really talented cousin that's not as good looking. <laughs> 
but goes on to be like a superstar. Ah, uh, okay. Goes well, no. It's it's the it's the kid in high school that's not a good athlete but is a genius. So the family like loves the athlete. Wow. But then after the the pumpkin pie is all, just spending its whole life reliving high school while the, after he's peaked. Yeah, while the sweet potato pie has moved on to actually do things that have changed the world for better. Hmm. Do you do okay? Does it have marshmallows on top and stuff, or is it not the one that I have? Okay. I, I mean, with that description, I would give it. I would give it a gander. You know, okay. I, I'd try. <laughs> All right, Blessings. we gotta right. give you guys something of value here. But so, well, I think it ties in greatly to what we're gonna talk about. Yes. You know, we have we're, to know how do how do you navigate family dynamics over the holidays? I think for so many of us, family is so layered and so loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, you have weird dynamics with your parents. You know, like they. They used to change your diaper and wipe your butt, and now you're an adult, you know? And I think sometimes our parents can still look at us like we're children. Yeah. You might have broken or fractured relationships with a parent or maybe a sibling or maybe an aunt or an uncle. Like, how do you navigate those type of things? But I think one of the things um, that a lot of us might feel tension about is how do you handle when you are one of or maybe the only believer in your family yeah. um, and people know this about you, people know that you're a follower of Jesus and they're not or maybe mm-hmm. the majority of your family isn't, how do you enter into that situation over the holidays yeah. without coming off uh, condescending or smug or know-it-all? Uh, yeah, like or, self-righteous. Or like judgmental, yeah. yeah. What? So for somebody who's listening, let's say like that Christmas, it's fun, it's a great time for them. But it always kind of brings up a little bit of anxiety in their life because they're like, okay, I know I'm stepping into a situation where I am a minority when it comes to faith and, yeah. and the way I view the world. Yeah. Um, how would you how would you offer some advice to somebody who's like, hey, Christmas is great, Thanksgiving is great, but there's always just this tension point because I know my family does not believe the same things that I believe. Yeah. Well, I think it's always so tricky because I think in general, obviously at a church, like we want to push that narrative of like invite evangelism, like bring people to Christ. And this is almost like one of those moments where it's like, it's almost like a forced <laughs> evangelism moment because it's like, I well, and this is just a side tangent, but I feel like that's why so many young adults and so many so many people love Friendsgiving over Thanksgiving to a degree because it's like Friendsgiving, it's comfortable. You know the relationships, you know the dynamics, like you've been doing life with each other for day in, day out versus Thanksgiving with family. You haven't seen each other in a while. Political decisions have changed. Um, Somebody is like brother or sister is like semi-involved in the church or renounced or hates everything. So you have all these like unique dynamics that you can't choose versus with Friendsgiving you get to choose. Um, so that's just a side tangent. But I feel like that anxiety like pokes its head up when you have to do family, when you have to go with people <laughs> who differ from you. But I think honestly like one of the biggest things that I can think of when it comes to like how do you navigate this season is is you go into like almost like the Beatitudes, I feel. Okay. Like – Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, pure in heart. And probably a big one is like, blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah. Because um, honestly, I mean, this is a season where, again, there's just hot topics, high dynamics. Relationships have been hurt. You're either navigating from one family to another from like families who are divorced. So you have to jump over blah, blah, blah. So like there's just so many dynamics that I think you have to truly lean into almost honestly like – 
a humble spirit that God and Jesus calls us to. And I think yeah. that's hard because I think there is such a desire almost in our hearts, again, to like prove that we're right, to prove that we're like our truth is is the truth. And it is. But I think there is just this humility that comes with this season of like, OK, yes, I can do this in a peaceful, joy filled way that doesn't have to look like how Aunt Susie wants to scream at my face that I'm wrong. <laughs> like there is just like a healthy dynamic of, of humility first and foremost that comes with it. Yeah. Um, I, I love that verse that you brought up. Uh, Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Yeah. I heard a message uh, on being a peacemaker that really challenged my idea of what a peacemaker was. And I would love to kind of hear your thoughts about this. It says that it, the message in essence was that God calls us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Yes. Um, and there's a really big difference between keeping peace and making peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and the blessing comes not from peacekeepers necessarily, but the Bible says blessed are those who make peace. Yeah. So let's say that we're going into the holidays. We're going into like Christmas, Thanksgiving. Well, we've already done Thanksgiving. Gosh, we're going into Christmas. <laughs> it can be a tense time. Yeah. Um, and let's let's say we're talking to the person who's, who's going into a family situation that they know they – they are the outlier. Yeah. They're the one that has put their faith in Jesus. The rest of the family hasn't. How do you come in, not as a peacekeeper, but as a peacemaker yeah. into that situation? How do you make peace in that potentially tense moment? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, there's this – I think if, you, if you're a declarative Christian who wants to live their life following Jesus – I think most of our world right now knows at least a version of what that's going to look like. And so they, they kind of already know to a degree of what your what truths you believe. Um, there is like a level of expectation on a yeah. Christian for better, or for worse. Sometimes yeah. it's almost like a little uh, malicious, mm-hmm. like you're supposed to be like this. Yeah. You know, but I do think you're right. To some degree, somebody knows in some some way, shape, or form, what to expect Yeah, from somebody who claims to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. And of course, I think also there's a lot of people who want to push those buttons to see how actually devout you are to <laughs> yeah. those things. Seriously, though. And and to be like, and again, obviously, like, and I agree, like the peacekeeper versus peacemaker, like there is an active role that takes with your ability to, to create peace. It's not just because a peacekeeper, I feel like, is somebody who will passively not speak what they believe and they'll just be like, huh, yeah, that's cool. Thanks, Aunt Susie, for screaming at me for five minutes. But like a a peacemaker is someone who can speak their truth and then lovingly care for that person afterward and just lovingly disagree with somebody. Because I think that's the thing, too, is like a lot of these a lot of those like family members are coming at you in order to almost just like start like try and catch you in a trap to be like, oh, you say you're a Christian. Let's push every button I can push and just openly make you feel like garbage when you snap and you get angry. But I think ultimately like it's just this thought of like, Hey, this is what I believe. And then ultimately just loving them through it. And then one thing that I learned from a counselor was just like, when you do have a disagreement with somebody, if somebody comes at you, you can just politely say, huh, it's interesting. You see it that way. Like it's not like an aggressive (laughs) statement. It's kind of passive aggressive, but like, Hey, it's certified by a counselor. So I'm cool with it. Um, But like, it's interesting. You see it that way because like it just insinuates like, Hey, I believe something else. I think it's interesting. You see it that way. 
but let's carry on. Let's let's continue to talk about this in a healthy fashion because I think you just have to be on on not on edge, but you have to be like ready for just those buttons to be pushed. But I think as a peacemaker, you're called to speak a truth and then love somebody through a difference of opinion. Yeah. If if we're going to go there, I think the biggest area that most of us can feel this in our family, especially if you do the holidays with extended family, is in the realm of politics. Um, I mean, I everybody says this. Who knows if it's true? But, like, we're living in one of the most politically tense climates, yeah. you know, at least in America. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I guess, like, my thought is, especially if we're talking about, like, hot-button, hot-topic issues – People always want to place you in a camp. You're either 100%. on the right side or the left side. You're red or you're blue, whatever. Um, I think I think a way that you come in to make peace in a situation, especially on hot button issues around families and dynamics, is you choose the way of Jesus and not like an alignment to a political party. Yeah. If you look at it, it's really interesting. I was listening to a podcast. Um, I believe it was Bible Project podcast. Mm-hmm. They were talking about sort of like it was like a political views of Jesus, and I mean they they he had a totally different like mindset towards politics. He was under Roman rule, but if we're lining him up to today's parties, there were a lot of things that Jesus would have split right down the center. Oh yeah, when it comes to policies for taking care of the poor, policies of of uh, unborn children and things mm-hmm. like that. There are a lot of things that Jesus would split right down the middle. Oh, yeah. And so I think that actually just by choosing to think like Jesus, you're taking at least the mindset of a peacemaker. Yeah. Now, how you go about that can either start a wildfire <laughs> of arguments yeah. or you can try to bring peace yeah. into a situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But And I think, honestly, it is it is the way that you guide your words. Um and here's a caveat up top. I feel like you need to give yourself grace because if you are like a Christian and you're new to your faith because you're, maybe your family is – you're the only person who believes in Jesus. And your whole life you've never known that. You've grown up with a different situation with your family and they see a change in you. They're going to come at you. But give yourself grace to also know like, hey, you might you might get angry. You might get frustrated. You might not know how – to properly defend your faith in the best fashion and you might snap, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, if you're, if you're at least still at an attempt to, to make peace with family, to bring it back to Jesus as much as you can without stirring up political turmoil in the family. (laughs) Like, I think that like, give yourself grace first and foremost, like this is a journey, like evangel, like that's why it's a journey as you follow Christ. And as you evangelize for Christ, it takes time. It takes, it, it honestly takes like repetition. It's like evangelism to your family is like a workout in and of itself. It's like, yeah. there's just going to be conversation after conversation. And some days you have really great conversations. Some days you have really rough conversations. And I think it's just really heightened during the holiday season because, and, and to your point, like this is a very high, a high political season or high political tension of our world. Things with COVID, oh. things with policy, masks are like, you know, oh, yeah. rearing their head again. Like, how do you now? I mean, that was like a big talking point with like my family and stuff over Thanksgiving. And mm-hmm. it's so stereotypical because f- for me, I just want to eat and watch football and like <laughs> smile and pretend like yeah. the world has stopped for like a minute. But like even in my family, we we literally said grace and then dove headfirst yeah. <laughs> into politics and policy and in a very divided table. Yeah. I, I have family that lean very heavily in one political direction and uh, very heavily in the other. And yeah. so 
you can imagine the fireworks <laughs> that, that, that like well, to go off. And honestly, I feel like first and foremost, and th- this is just like before you even enter into that atmosphere, as a Christian, you have to establish your identity in Christ first and foremost because people will come at you with identities that they've established in their political parties or they've established in their worldviews or what they believe in. So if you can't, first and foremost, before you even approach family dynamics, like you have to have your set truth established in an identity with God because then that makes it so much easier because then to your point, like you're not coming in here with I'm a conservative or I'm a liberal. And then that way when somebody says one thing that offends my truth, I can get furious about it. No, but if you're rooted in Christ first and foremost with your identity, like that's where you're coming from, it makes those conversations at least a little bit more easy to navigate, I feel, because then you're not coming at it from an emotional place. Yeah. Like there's obviously emotional things and all that, but like if your identity is in Christ first and foremost, when those truths get offended, that's a different discussion, I feel, (laughs) for a different day. But like you won't get as upset when two people are fighting about mask or no mask or two people are fighting about like government policy or no policy or whatever topic you want to pick on right now. Yeah. So I, I feel like... Yeah, just establishing who you are in Christ first and foremost in the, before you even enter into those conversations is the healthiest thing you can do. And I think the big part is too is like, again, if you can – because I feel like you, ha- you have like a, a mixed family of like some people who believe in Christ and some people who don't. So like there's obviously those conversations that come up. But like if you can find a way to navigate even those kind of topical issues and bring it back to Christ, like that's – that's probably the most important thing that you can do and just be like, you know, I'm just going to love people and do X, Y, Z. Yeah. And almost like diffuse the situation. Yeah. With the love of God. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. And I and I love I love establishing the mindset of being a peacemaker first before yeah. you enter into the holidays, because I think that's so important before you walk in the room, before you sit down at the table, before you get in the car and drive or wherever you're going. Be like, hey, no matter where I go in this situation, no matter who's at the table, I'm a peacemaker because I'm yeah. like Jesus. Um, I do have an interesting question, though, that I think uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on. Is I think if we hear the word peacemaker, we assume um, that means I can't argue. Or, yeah. like, or like to be a peacemaker is in some degree to help keep peace. Yeah. But it's also to make peace. Yeah. So as a follower of Jesus, is there ever a right time? to kind of get into these arguments or at least defend uh, your your belief, especially yeah. maybe when it comes to like church or the Bible or Jesus, like to, with a family member. Yeah. Is that is that ever a productive thing or is that always something that's not productive? Do you oh, think there's a good time, yeah. a right time to ar- – maybe argue is too harsh of a word, but I think a lot of times as Christians, whenever somebody – has questions about our faith, has or, or or is even being condescending or like attacking a little bit. We always think the best thing to do would be just to be quiet. Yeah. Um, but is there a time to be like, hey, no, actually, here, here's what I think, and not not in an attacking way. Yeah. But in maybe a slightly argumentative way of like, no, I do think there's yeah. logic to this. I do think there's reason. I do think there's amazing yeah. things that come out of church. Yeah. No, I think I, in personally for me, I think I've had I, I come from a family that's like super into politics. Like okay. we I grew up like dinner, like for some people, it's like only at Thanksgiving they bring up politics with their whole family. For me, it was like every Sunday it was like Thanksgiving Royale. <laughs> and so like it was just a heavy, heavily politically discussed life for me, honestly. And I, I had a revelation where I was just like, you know what? Like, here's the thing is like I – 
I don't need to be aggressively passionate about all these things and not in a bad way, but like until it starts affecting my faith and my walk with God. And I think that's kind of where I've started to draw the line of like, I will, I will, I will be more assertive. Assertive might be a better word than argue. Like I'll be more assertive with my opinions when it comes to something that I believe is anti-Christian or anti, like anti-Jesus in my opinion. Like what is, what are his truths? And I think a lot of that comes with practice also of like knowing your Bible, knowing what Jesus has preached on, knowing what he believed in, in the Old Testament and how he ties everything together. So like knowing, honestly, like the story of the Bible at large and knowing when that can affect, like when those opinions are, are worthy of actually sharing in those arguments. Because I think a lot of times, again, like if you're if you're the only believer in your family, there's going to be people who want to push button, push button, push button, put you in a camp, put you in this area. And of course, that's going to frustrate you because it's like, well, you're attempting to like really bring out emotions in me. But I've just had the realization of like, hey, if unless it's something that I believe is actually counter to my growth and my relationship with Jesus Christ, I, I don't necessarily need to like have a dog in the fight. And I don't need to give you the satisfaction of rallying me up and getting me angry and frustrated. But when it does come to Christian value that I hold dear and conviction that I hold dear to my heart that because of the Bible and because of what Jesus has said, that I can politely tell you, well, hey, that's, again, <laughs> the counselor talk. It's interesting you see that that way. <laughs> However- Why do I just envision you like patting somebody on the shoulder? <laughs> I know, because like... it's, it's like honestly like such a, again, it sounds so passive aggressive, but it's also extremely diffusing in a sense because it's just like- they're saying it so nice, but it hurts my heart. What is happening? It's just a very, it was a good saying. Um, <laughs> my parents use it on me a lot. It's fine. <laughs> um, but like once you, you're able to explain your truth through that. And then once you say it, I don't think you need to be the person who like pounds it into their head of like, no, this is why blah, 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 blah. Like you speak the truth, believe that the Holy Spirit's going to use it in a way in their hearts in some way, shape or form and allow them to almost meditate on what you've said. Because if you're in the word, you believe the word, you know the truth, you speak the truth, you're not going to change their hearts, but the truth will through the Holy Spirit. So yeah. I, I, I do think like there is a line. And again, for me, it's when I believe the biblical principles, the teachings of Jesus have begun to affect what is happening in my world or with whatever the conversation is going. Yeah. I think, I think too, for myself, when I think of being a peacemaker, I think of conversationally. Like, how do I bring peace conversationally? Yeah. But I think, too, there's such a power in being a peacemaking presence. Yeah. Um, so I have family, extended family, um, close family that deal with a ton of different anxieties and stuff like that. Um, and I just think that as a Christian, and I'm not saying if you have anxiety, you're not a Christian, anything like that. But as a Christian, there is a level of peace you have about the future. Yeah. Um, there is a level of of hope and expectation in what Jesus has done that um, there's goodness ahead for your life. There's yeah. there's faithfulness ahead for your life where you can look towards an unknown future. Um, and fear is natural. I'm not saying completely void of fear, yeah. but but with an expectation of goodness. Yeah. Um, and I think just being a peacemaking presence mm-hmm. as well can be just as effective as being like a 
a verbal peacemaker. Yeah, if that makes sense. Oh, I, totally. The word verbal. I, I'm I'm looking for something <laughs> and I can't find. But but you don't just make peace by the arguments you win or the things yes. that you say. I think you can make peace by just being a non anxious presence. Yeah. By being a person of peace. Yeah. Like within yourself, and that radiates. Yeah. That radiates out to other people. Well, I think that that comes with like that thought of like okay, establishment in Christ first, like my identity first and foremost, and then. Like when conversations are brought up, when my cousin is trying to push all my buttons, I have a level of humility in me where I'm like, you know what? Like, hey, that doesn't really matter to me as much. Yeah. What's going on in your life? Because to your point, actually, I, I love that you were like, yeah, we don't live like we don't live in fear. Like, obviously, there is a healthy fear of like the unknown. And like we are. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like there's moments where it's like fearful of what's happening in this future. But as Christians, like we have we have fear of like what's going to happen on this earth. But we also don't have a fear of where we're going post death like we have eternity with Christ if you if you believe in that he is your savior like we have a secured eternity so we don't we have that level of peace and naturally and so people who don't believe in Christ are going to come at you with not only the uncertainty of the world <laughs> that obviously a lot of us struggle with yeah but they also are dealing with the uncertainty of what's happening post death for them like they don't know they're trying to figure out the meaning of life in their own souls so if they're reacting in an in an aggressive manner in an argumentative manner it's like almost have like the wisdom and the heart posture to know like, hey, if this person's coming at me, it's because I have a wisdom of where I'm going. I have a belief in where I'm going. I have a security of knowing where I'm going. That person is almost insecure of their knowledge of where they're going, their knowledge of what the meaning of life is. I have that security. So I don't necessarily need to be wrapped up in that. And so they're just going to attack you for that. So you can sit back, relax. You can have that peace. You can almost, yeah, just be that peaceful presence. And I think people will see that. Um, I think it's Matthew five eighteen. Let your light shine so that others may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Like a good deed is also holding your tongue. A good deed is also saying kind things. Like you don't have to be this abrasive person who defends your faith as well. You can honestly just be a person who is, yeah, a presence of peace. You don't have yeah. to be, yeah. You, your words don't have to say it. Your posture can say it. Your actions, your attitudes, yeah. your overall outlook 100%. on everything. Yeah, and, and I think it takes a lot of courage and strength. So, like, before you go into those situations, pray for that because, yeah. like, I still know that family will push buttons left and right. And especially extended family where they see you, like, once every six years. They're like, all right, I've been bottling up all these arguments for him. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think just just praying for that before you even walk into the situation and having that peaceful spirit yeah. is huge. Yeah, it's huge. I think one really interesting thing um, that as I as I've gotten older, I find a lot more value in is helping mend fractured relationships within our family. Um, I know that most of us, if we're just being completely honest, um, whether it's a sibling, an aunt, an uncle, even a parent, when we enter into like a holiday season, it's not just politically to it. it doesn't have the potential to be politically divisive or religiously divisive. Sometimes there can just be fracture from um, pain and hurt growing up, or maybe you and a sibling butted heads your whole life. And there's still just this weird tension there as you like sit down together and see each other or whatever. What is our role as followers of Jesus in dealing with fractured relationships within our family? Gosh, that's heavy because especially, I mean, obviously like there needs to be an acknowledgement of like traumatic situations and issues that have 
come from the past and like not denying those, accepting them for what they are. Yeah. Um, but there is also like a call to forgiveness to a degree. Um, and I'm not going to say like you have to forgive and forget, but there is a forgiveness moment. Um, and Jesus tells us forgive 77 times or 70, 70 times, seven times, like essentially never stop forgiving. Yeah, always. And so there has to be that, again, that element of humility as you walk into these situations with fractured relationships. Because I, I think of like siblings that do butt heads every single time. And like what benefit does it do if you keep butting heads every single time or if you take the humble route of being like, you know what, I'm not going to – I don't necessarily need to like win this argument. Yeah. I can be the person who just says like, hey, you know what, like it's just not that important to me. You don't have to I, – I would also advise not saying that out loud because I think that would <laughs> <laughs> that would make the other sibling a lot more agitated. Um, I've dealt with that personally. But <laughs> like I think there is just a moment of like – you know, like, let's just change the topic. Let's just change the conversation. Let's focus on things that we can focus and that we can agree on and things that we can love. Because um, I think that we, we do we do have to forgive. We have to forgive. We don't have to forget. Um, and we'll get into boundaries later too. But, yeah, I think there's just a huge element of humility and forgiveness when you walk into those first and foremost. Yeah. When I was thinking about this a lot because this is, this is a, a real sort of family tension for me. Um, I have aunts and uncles on – my dad's side of the family who just view and see life way different than me. Um, I have a sibling that we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. Um, we love each other, hands down. We'll do anything yeah. for each other. But there does still, even as adults, there can be some like tension oh, between each other. Um, and I think I've really felt challenged and convicted, especially since becoming a dad. Uh, I see my two girls and I never want them to feel tension with one another. And I get it. We're human. It's going to happen. Yeah. No matter how you're raised. I was, I had such an incredible like structure and framework of being raised growing up. It, it wasn't anything like that. We're just two people that see life totally differently. Yeah. Um, but I've really felt the Holy Spirit. We're different humans. Yeah. Like seriously. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> but, but it's caused like a lot of rub. And yeah. I was like, how do I step into that situation? And how do I play a role in helping mend that fractured relationship? And just three thoughts came up. And, and this always, I always kind of, whenever I preach in messages with this, because it's, I think it's so cool. The Bible says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to yeah. repentance. Um, I think so many times we think it's like the holiness of God that should strike fear in our heart that would lead us to repentance. It's the mercy of God that giving us what we don't deserve. Yeah. But the Bible says it's his kindness. Um, and I think so many times when we think about God or Jesus and we're explaining him to people, we don't. It doesn't he doesn't come off sounding kind. Yeah. But but any time I've ever had like moments where I've drawn really close to God, I felt that kindness. 100%. And so I think that when when we step into a role of mending a fractured relationship in our family, if God meets us in our brokenness with kindness, mm -hmm. we have to meet this situation with kindness. I think kindness must lead. Yeah. And if kindness leads, I think humility like has to lead. Oh, yeah. The Bible says that Christ humbled himself. He took a low position mm -hmm. on our behalf for our salvation. And man, I don't think that's just like a spiritual, like religious thing. Yeah. I think Christ is saying like in, in Jesus's moment on the cross, he's like paying for the sin of all humanity, the ultimate reconciliation of a fractured relationship. And he chooses humility. Yeah. 
And man, as much as it makes me want to grit my teeth and like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. if I'm going to have a reconciled relationship, if I'm going to mend a fractured relationship in my family, I have to lead with kindness and I have to be humble. Yeah, That doesn't mean you, you be walked on and that yeah. doesn't mean you ignore real, true trauma or hurt. Yeah. But as a follower of Christ, we're literally made to follow what Jesus did, how he thought, yeah. what he believed. And what he did was lead with kindness and choose to be humble. Yeah. And I think that while we're not made any guarantees that we'll ever have fully reconciled relationships on this side of eternity, mm-hmm. I think if that's something you desire, and I think that's something we're called to as followers of Jesus, you have to lead with kindness and you have to choose humility. You might have to eat some things uh, when you really want to speak oh, up. Yeah. You know, you might have to hold your tongue when you really want to share what you're thinking. Well, um, yeah. Well, yeah, just to jump in, I feel like I, the power of the tongue has life and death. Proverbs says that. And there is such, such a, well, it is a truth. <laughs> like it is so powerful, but there is also wisdom in holding that tongue. Cause yeah, you have the ability to be like, I know, I know that this conversation, if I bring up X, Y, Z, this will spark an argument, have the wisdom to just be like, will that bring life or will that bring death? Will that will that show kindness or will that show anger? Will that show love or will that show fresh like will that just bring up more angst and anger and frustration with all of us? Because ultimately, yeah, there is these are people that you do love even if there's disagreement. And so why not focus on the love component and allow them to come to you with conversations and to come to have with, you with those intimate moments? Because those will come if you believe and pray for them and have God just on like God with you always. So yeah, I I love that. I love the fact that it's like kindness is what we have to have forefront, and that will that will lead to so many beautiful things in those relationships to grow from there. Yeah, I love it absolutely. Um, so as we kind of wrap up, I think one of the things we wanted to talk about as we enter enter into holiday season with family and family dynamics is boundaries. Ooh. How do we have loving Christ like boundaries with our family? Yeah, um, when sometimes uh, boundaries can almost just seem like totally looked over, walked over, maybe the first thing we like give up in Mm -hmm. a sense when we're with our family. So for example, and this is a very minor example. I remember when Aaron and I first had Ezra, um, we would go back to Virginia to see my family and every aunt and uncle under the sun wanted us to come (laughs) out and see them. When, like, growing up, I would never even go over to their house yeah. and stuff like that. But now you have a baby. Now we have a baby, and so they they want to see me, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, where were you when I was 10? No. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> where are my Christmas gifts for the last 30 years? Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> no, but so we did it. Yeah. We obliged everybody, and we came back from that trip so exhausted. Yeah. And I was like, honestly, I felt like this trip wasn't refreshing. I didn't get to spend time with my grandma, who's like my favorite human in the world, and my grandpa. I I didn't get to spend time with my parents and my siblings. I felt like we were jumping house to house, this to this. So I had to sit down and talk to my parents and be like, hey, like we get it, um, but this is a boundary for us. And at first there was a little tension, but it was like when we come home, we we would love to see everybody, but we're not doing the drive all across Washington, yeah. D.C., Northern Virginia circuit again. <laughs> we're uh, not spending three and a half days parading our child. Literally, literally. And so I think, I think one of the things that we as young adults learn as we get older is how to draw healthy and loving boundaries with family. If, yeah. if somebody's listening and they're like, man, I love my family. 
I want to be a peacemaker. I want to mend fractured relationships. I want to choose humility and kindness. But there is also a reality of I just need some boundaries with some people mm-hmm. in my family. Maybe it's an aunt. Maybe it's an uncle. Maybe there was an abusive relationship in yeah. a childhood. Or maybe maybe just you just felt like somebody does didn't want the best for you. And whenever you're around them, they try to draw you into old bad thinking, bad habits, bad yeah. actions. How do you lovingly and kindly draw boundaries with those people while still showing the love of Jesus? Yeah, those are heavy. We went from like <laughs> not showing children to like somebody who's causing I, you to stumble. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to share a very light, a very light well, example so you could deal with the heavy stuff. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> Feeling good. Um, no, but honestly, I, I think um, – gosh, there's so, – again, going back to that proverb, like there's power in, in the tongue for life and death. Um, and I think there, there's so much that can be had and held over a conversation with somebody when there is, there is a pain, there is a strife, there is a hurt, there is a reality, um, and there's a boundary that's needed. And so I think having the conversation with the person, and I think those are, those are really difficult conversations to have, but like you had to have a conversation with your parents to be like, Hey, yeah, this, this is like a, this is a boundary. Like we want to make sure that we're honoring time with like our family, our immediate family, not necessarily every aunt and uncle, cousin, third time removed under the sun. Like we want to have those. So I think the first part is honestly like acknowledging where the boundaries are needed to be had. And then secondary, like going up to those people and having those difficult conversations. And the thing is, is it's, it sounds like such a simple thing. Like, Oh, duh. If I, I wish I could have done that. Okay. Well then you need to like, that's it. That's it is. There is a big part of just having a conversation and telling them how you feel. Because I think a lot of times people just assume that you want to do X, Y, Z or that you're okay with doing X, Y, Z or that you're okay with that person coming or that you're comfortable. Like they don't – you're the main character in your own head and they're the main character in their own head. So they just – they don't necessarily know what's going internally on with you. So you need to express that to those people, to the people who you can feel confident with to be like, I hope this boundary is respected, but however, I don't want to do X, Y, Z. And I need you to like hopefully respect that. And ultimately, I think if those people are truly loving, caring, and gracious for you, they will understand where you're coming from. Or maybe they'll be able to walk you through it and be like, hey, I I respect your idea for a boundary. However, what about this, this, and this? Like, I think you'll have a really beautiful conversation that comes out of it. But I think if those people are truly in your corner, truly love and care for you, a conversation is just the beginning of something that can be really happy and helpful for you and for those people. Because, yeah, like you said, you had to have a conversation with your parents to be like, hey, this is important for us. Yeah, they probably were a little stung, but ultimately, like, you had a reasoning for why you needed your boundary. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of, like, I, I do also, like, I do know that especially when it comes to holidays, there's this expectation of wanting, like, having so much family time, having so many things that you have to do, so many obligations. But for yourself, there needs to be a degree of of caring for what you need to do and you know what you can and what you can't take and just honestly saying no to things. And even one thing that I heard on TikTok one time, which was really helpful from like a, a – I got on like psychiatrist TikTok at some point, you know, healthy season of life. <laughs> but like – There's even, a TikTok channel for everything. Oh, there is. Just it's beautiful. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought. <laughs> no, I talked about TikTok. Um, but like it, it, it was one where it was like, hey, if you are struggling because like you're a people pleaser and you don't know how to do boundaries and you're worried about plans that you've made – before you make the plans, just respectfully be like, hey, unfortunately, I, I have plans. 
even if you don't have plans, your plans are to not have plans. Like yeah. that's what they told me. And I was like, my plans are to not have pl-. like that's beautiful. Like if I'm not <laughs> if I'm not comfortable with doing that's something, that's my life. Yeah, like and it, it's okay because like there is a degree, and I think boundaries will find, and this is like a slow progression of life that you'll find of like boundaries that definitely need to be set. But I think we swing the pendulum to one side and like put up every single boundary under the sun of like I'm doing nothing. But then if you're a people pleaser and you've never had boundaries, there is a healthy medium where it's like, hey, yeah, I don't have to see every family member, but maybe to like compromise almost to your sense of like to this example of like, yeah, we're not going to pray at our child around for three and a half days to visit every cousin. But hey, what if we one day we're going to go out to a restaurant, sit on the patio, family can come if they want. That's the day to see them. Like I think you'll find as you explore boundaries and as you explore defining what you're comfortable with, what you're not comfortable with, you'll find actually like what is the healthy middle ground also that is ultimately kind of in a sense like bringing it back to full circle of like what is a peacemaker? Like you're you're defining what your truth is. You're defining what you believe. You're defining what you need to fight for for yourself personally. But then you're also coming to a co- like a conclusion in the end that is beneficial to not only just like it is beneficial to you, but it's ultimately helpful to like – your family, your friends. There's just a lot more health that can come from it. So that was a rant, but that's what I had. No, it was good. It was good. Well, Zach, any final thoughts as we close out this podcast on the holidays, family dynamics, anything that we missed that we were Gosh. going over? Honestly, go in with humility. Pray for strength because, goodness gracious, it's still difficult. <laughs> Not denying that at all. <laughs> but, like, uh, go in with humility. Go in with identity. Know what you stand for. Know what Jesus says. And honestly, divert conversation to fun things. <laughs> I mean, watch here, football. Oh, yeah, like there's distractions in this world for a reason sometimes. But like, no. you know, just just I, well, honestly though, like focus on loving people. And I think one of the biggest things, um, I forget, I think it was Sean in one of his, or, yeah, Sean mentioned um, that his pastor Chris Hodges has like a, a saying: "Will it matter in a hundred years?" And so before you enter enter into an argument with somebody, before you get harassed by somebody trying to poke all of your buttons and make you angry, just remember, will this matter in 100 years? Probably not. We don't necessarily need to have a four-hour conversation on masks because that won't matter in 100 years. But is there eternity at stake? You know, hey, let's love them through it. Let's talk through things. Let's just be peaceful and love on the humans. Yeah, that's awesome. I would say as we wrap up, Uh, There's a verse that I love that says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And forever I was like, okay, where's the spirit of the Lord? (laughs) Because I need freedom. (laughs) The spirit of the Lord is in me. And so no matter what you find yourself walking into this holiday season, whether you come from this amazing family or maybe you have a very fractured, broken family, maybe you have very little family, um, the holidays with the highs and the lows, with all the emotions that come with it, um, the Spirit of the Lord, if you're a follower of Jesus, dwells in you so that there's there's freedom, there's joy, and there's hope wherever you are. And so you bring that. That is the element that you bring to the table with your family and the holidays. You are a freedom bringer, a joy bringer, um, a peacemaker. And so I would just say embrace that yeah. and let let the peace of God that surpasses understanding guard your heart and your mind yeah. um, this holiday season and and know who you represent and the power that's in that yeah. in following Jesus. 
So, Amen. All right, guys, Amen. we love you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Um, join us. We are doing a special holiday drop for our next podcast. This podcast, um, if, if you're listening, will, is released on Monday, the 13th. Um, and we are doing our final Y service of the year this upcoming Thursday, uh, December 16th. And you don't want to miss it. Don't miss it. We are doing a candlelight service. We've never done this before. Very festive, very holiday-y. I've even heard Santa's going to be there. <gasps> Santa? Santa's going to be there to get some pictures taken, mall style. Awkward heard, uh, mall Santa photos. Uh, will Mrs. Claus be there as well? I don't know. I'm not I, sure. She's deciding. I think she. I think. I think I got an RSVP plus one for Santa. So <laughs> okay, uh, it sounds well, like Mrs. Claus might be there. Yeah, but you don't want to miss it. If you're in the Denver metro area, come December 16th to the last young adult service of the year, and then our our grand finale Christmas end of year special podcast. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be amazing. We will drop that. Thursday, December 23rd, right before Christmas, because we know you guys want to take us into the holidays with Amen. you. So, hey, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. For all things young adults, uh, you can go follow us on Instagram. I think it's just Red Rocks YA. Yep. Um, and then for all things information on services and all that good stuff, go to redrocksya.com. We love you guys so much. Share this podcast with anybody that you think could use it and yeah we'll see you next week thursday the 23rd before christmas eve for the holiday special don't you miss it Mm, amen hallelujah merry christmas peace out